Deanie Talks. In this episode, I sat down with the hilarious Mo Gilligan. Well, thank you for finally coming. I know you was a little bit late, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We was, we was walking the dog, actually. Yeah, because we've got, oh, okay. uh, got a cockapoo, which is like five months. A, co- a cockapoo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's, 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 what's that no, reaction no. for? Huh? I just try to picture <laughs> you, you <laughs> with a little dog walking down the road. <laughs> Do you know what? Weirdly enough, a cockapoo is like, because obviously when it was like winter time, I'd be like hooded up, masked yeah. on, puffer jacket, <laughs> Stone Island as well. So already I'm looking like a ultra roadman. Like, <laughs> so then I've got this small little cute puppy and people's looking at me. Then they're looking at the dog and looking at me and bearing in mind, like a lot of these dogs are being stolen as well, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. just looking at me like, oh, he's probably, he's probably <laughs> stolen that. And, and now he's trying to now he's trying to walk it <laughs> at least he's looking after it what it was when, when we was looking at dogs yeah me and my girlfriend we looked at all the dogs for our lifestyle and a lot okay. of the dogs i liked so you know like i like things like staffs and that's what mm-hmm. i'm kind of not saying growing up around but yeah. some of my friends had those dogs my lifestyle can't suit a staff got a lot of nice trainers and nice things around <laughs> to have this dog biting up my stuff in it <laughs> and then Bro. we did, obviously i don't want nothing small small and too cute so a cockapoo was the perfect mix. And it's, it's I need an entry-level dog. Like, okay. I can't get a... If I've never had a dog and I start off with, what, a pit bull? <laughs> nah, man. Could you imagine? Listen, sit. And the dog's looking at me like, nah, big man, no. I'm not sitting. You sit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm, so, a big dog, I'm a big dog lover. So I've got um, a Rottweiler and a Cane Corso, which... Okay. I don't know if you know about Cane Corsos. That's the yeah. one off uh, Game of Thrones. That yeah, because kind of um, Big Nasty's got one of those. Oh, okay. And when we was in, <laughs> when we was in, um, we was in like rehearsals and stuff and he brought his dog. And you know when the dog has presents? <laughs> like, like, you know when the dog walks in the room and you're like, oh man, that dog's looking at me, man. Why is the dog, like, is it, is it okay? Like, It's but, the um, eyes as well, isn't it? The eyes yeah, are Yeah, yeah, they got human looking eyes. Mm-hmm. But that's what I mean. Like, I, I like, I like, um, like Rotties actually. They're, they're really nice dogs. Mm-hmm. But for entry level dog, for me, yeah, I, I can't get one of those dogs, man. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you. They, like mine are out in, I've had to put mine in the garden just because of like this and they'll bark and they'll go mad and yeah, that when the yeah, door yeah. goes. So, But no, thank yeah. you for doing this. The, the reason for this podcast basically is just to get to know the person behind the, the, the media outlet. So mm. obviously you're a superstar now, but I've known so you for a little while. on the streets. While. Not me yeah. though, bruv. Just a man of the people, bruv. Muhammad <laughs> Ali, bruv. <laughs> but I've seen you obviously... For years back now, from FIFA yeah, launches to NFLs, yeah, and we've yeah, chatted. Because yeah, I, I remember when I met you, I think you was with your son at the FIFA yeah. launch. Mm-hmm. And those times, I think that was like one of the first like big events I ever went to. Um, yeah. And it's so weird, like, because at those times, I don't know who knows me or what I do. Mm-hmm. Especially that time, that was quite early on. 2017. And I was gassed. I was like, Rob, where? Troy Dini come up to me and said, hi, you knew who I was. <laughs> But you know, like, the, yeah, you know bro, the maddest thing for me, when, when I came to do this, I was literally sitting with my missus and I went, do you know what? I ain't going to be able to get anyone to do it. She was like, mm. do you know who you are? I was like, yeah, I'm just Troy. Like, if I reach out to Mo, he's going to go like, shut up, man. It's like five grand nah, minimum. Nah, but then I nah, sent nah, you that nah. message. Cause, cause, because you, you, we, we, when we was at the Tottenham um, NFL yeah. thing, you told, that's when you first, first told me about it. Yeah. So yeah. from when I said yes that time, like, you know what I mean? I can't be like two years down the line. Like, but you, yeah, you got you a lot bigger. What? You got a lot bigger than me at that point. Slightly. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> no, but the, it's, it's good that we touched on the 2017 because what I was thinking within that is 
within our community, right? A lot of people talk about lack of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I could understand that to an extent, but with me, it's being ready for when that opportunity arises. And I feel like you're the perfect example of that because let's say like when Drake or whoever's done something with your social media, because obviously you're you're Mm -hmm. massive on social media. If you wasn't ready or conditioned Mm -hmm. before that, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have even recognized that as an opportunity. Oh no, 100% man, 100%. I think when a lot of those early things happened, I had to be very careful not to get too, too over the, too, too like kind of gassed about it really, if I'm honest. Mm -hmm. I just had to take all these things as like a pinch of salt and just be like, wow, that's, that's great. Oh my gosh. Like, like Drake shouted me out or, you know, Ian Wright's like replied under one of my things. That's like my childhood hero as a footballer. Um, All these things were amazing, but it was the time where I had to really keep my, my feet on the ground and, you know, one, I, I, you know, I owe that to my friends and my family and my girlfriend, people who always, who always, you know, keep me grounded from day one. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like, just kind of like my team, really. And when I say team, it's not like a big tons of, of people. It's just like my, my two managers who I've been with, like from the start before any success happened and just, um, just orchestrating every move really. So like, mm-hmm. you know, when someone like Drake shouts you out, it's like, oh, that's so nice. But also just like keeping your feet on the ground, it's just like, cool like tomorrow's another day but also like at the same time it's it's a big deal so mm-hmm. you know when you do go into the room it, it changes the conversation a little bit when you you know you got a tour or something like that because mm-hmm. then it, it makes other people look at you as like oh wow cool like we need to take notice of that do you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I think that's that's when I look back at that opportunity now and all those things it really helped in those beginning stages because it, it did allow certain opportunities to come because for for a while when I was doing a lot of the, the early stuff, the, the videos and I'm going on tour, mm. you know, we're selling out tickets and I was still kind of regarded as like, oh, he's like a social media sensation. And I'm like, oh, like, I've been doing this stand up for a while though. I'm a, I'm a stand up comic guys, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and this isn't really from the black circuit. I, it was always kind of, it felt like it was like from the mainstream circuit a little bit yeah. where I, you know, I'd been gigging within that circuit. I'd done the same clubs, but I think because it happened so quick, I was kind of regarded of like, oh, he's like a viral kind mm-hmm. of comic. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not though. Like, and when you got people like Drake shouting you out, it just kind of like intensifies whatever you're doing to be like, I'm really mm-hmm. not because Drake shouted me out. So that means you, you blogs need to start taking notice and yeah. giving me my, my, my juice. You know what I'm saying? I guess you must get the same. Like when you're playing football and you're like, mm-hmm. like man's banging in goals, isn't it? Like I'm not, I'm not this non-league striker that people <laughs> like to, because I, I see it with football and mm. like, especially with Vardy, it's like, this guy came from non-league and it's like, yeah, but he's put enough in that he exactly. is an out and out striker. Like he, mm-hmm. he's scoring more goals than, you know, who people are, are classing like, oh, he's renowned. It's like, no, like mm. I'm, I'm hearing it. I'm scoring mm-hmm. on the big stage. Do you see what but, I'm saying? But yeah, but that's, that's, that was my point to it because you see with yourself, yeah, if you mm. wasn't aware of that or you didn't have a plan, what would have happened would have been the spotlight intensified on you and you'd have gone, ah, what do I yeah. do now? Like, yeah, 100%, but, man. And that's where I try and educate people. Not, it's not necessarily a black thing. It's from, I think it's from a working class thing. Like mm. we all sit around and have limitations and put ceilings on ourselves. But mm-hmm. if you've got a vision, if a bit of light gets shed on it, it doesn't mm. do anything but accelerate what you already wanted to do. 100%, man, 100%. Yeah, mm. it's, it's so true. And I think that's what's really good. It's like you doing a podcast and you know, I've felt the same thing where it's that kind of imposter syndrome of like, oh, like if I have a show, is anyone going to come? If I do a mm-hmm. podcast, can I get these people? And then you think, well, no, nah, like they are like, I'm, I've been mm-hmm. doing this thing. Like, yeah, they are like, mm-hmm. I, it's going to happen. So, um, 
yeah, man. Big, just big up to yourself, though, man. Because oh, I know, like, thank you. how it is planning after football, essentially. Mm-hmm. But also just, like, I'm not just a footballer. Like, yeah. do other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that... that I've only known that with most of in the last five years when I spoke to other footballers and like, yeah, like, I, I do this on the side. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're going to build restaurants or get into property. And that's so important, though, for... Even for, like, myself who sees that. I'm like, oh, wow, like... You're just more than a footballer, which is like mm-hmm. more than a comic. I'm trying to get my hands in other pies. Is, is that, is that what you're doing? Because I know when we spoke, you've obviously got a production company as well. Mm-hmm. But is that what you're doing now in regards to the shows that you're doing? Trying to come yeah. away from your own stereotypical show, should we say? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think for me, when I when I got my opportunity to get on TV, like the Big Nasty show was like my vehicle to kind of mm-hmm. really understand how it even works because... When you see it from the outside, it looks, sometimes it can look very easy in the edit. Mm-hmm. You're like, Rob, where this show looks easy to produce, where <laughs> it's like, you know, you got to go and write, help write and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got to get there early, film sketches. But then you still have to perform when the audience are there. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's things that I learned in TV, but also things that I try to bring within TV. And I think with me getting in a space of, of TV, I, I did try to, uh, for me, I think my career is going to, I'm trying to build it on, not what is the, is the norm a little bit. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I think a lot of people wanted me to do a sketch show because I was always putting out characters and, and sketches. Mm-hmm. So the, the minute I, I had my own show, which was, what, what, what's this going to be? You know, it's a shiny floor show, you know, you mm-hmm. know, trying to be the likes of Graham Norton and Jonathan Ross's, the, the shows I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, well, I, I want a show like that. And I want to show that a show like that is also possible for people from my background. Like mm-hmm. it needs to be possible. So I think that was kind of why I steered in that direction. And then I think with other moves of just, you know, even doing a special and putting on on Netflix, it was to be like, I'm really trying to be here. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like like it's, it's making sure, cause I had, I was very fortunate that there's a lot of people that wanted the special and I could have kind of been like, okay, cool. Like, you know, we we give to them, like, cause I want to get it out there, but we had to play the waiting game a little Mm -hmm. bit. And then you just strike while, while the iron's hot. But I think for me, my, my production company is just kind of producing things that a lot of people wouldn't expect to see, but also just making sure that people from the outside can be like, raw, like, wow, he's doing that type of show. I wouldn't expect him mm-hmm. to do that. Or I see him like involved in this. And I think that's kind of what I want to build, but also for what people can see on the outside of like, you mm-hmm. don't just have to do what people expect you to do. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Yeah. And was this always, is this something you've learned along the way? So seeing mm-hmm. myself, I'm learning daily. Like this is yeah. a new space to me, but now mm-hmm. with the producer Chris, or, you know, or poet or people like yourself, I'm watching old interviews that you may have done and taking little bits and going, right, I could use that for me and mm-hmm. what I want to do. Are you yeah. always learning or was you really good at school and then just fell into this? Do you know what? I think like for me creatively in school, like performing arts and drama, that was always what I just enjoyed. I didn't mm-hmm. felt like I was sometimes learning stuff. I just, I just like doing this. Um, and I think other stuff academically, I just wasn't in love with the subjects. I used to mm-hmm. like science. So I just used to love science. Um, yeah. Whereas other subjects, I was just like, I'm not really fussed about geography. Like, so I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to excel in it. Yeah. So I would be destructive. I would talk to people. I would, you know, be a bit of a class clown as such. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But I think in terms of creativity in, in a space of TV, it's, it's something I've always tried to put into TV. I've been quite fortunate because like a lot of stuff has been under my production company. So I have a lot of say in what we get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, 100% just learning. 
Like the, the, the opportunities I was getting, I just made, I had to make sure that like, I really take the opportunity to understand how it works or, you know, ask questions, you know, mm -hmm. people that we've worked with that expectation, they're a good production company and rumpus. Like I'll just ask questions when we're doing writing days. Like, so how did you become a producer? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how it works or so, yeah. okay. So what's his job? Oh, that's what he does. Okay. And all those things for me was just learning and even Sometimes, you know, I'd get to set some, sometimes when we do certain filming projects, I get to set a little bit earlier, just mm -hmm. so I have enough time so I can prepare, but also just see how it works. Just look on set and be like, cool, like that's my man, that's that. And sometimes when you, when you do those things, it also kind of puts into how much is being put into it from, mm -hmm. not just from me, mm -hmm. but from the outside to make sure like, okay, like this is, this is a big deal, man. Like they're putting mm -hmm. that into it. They've got this happening. And all those things were so important because when I started doing my own shows, then I said, oh, okay, cool. Like, so, mm -hmm. and it was just taking all those skills and applying it to, to, to my own projects. And yeah, man, I think that was the, the most crucial thing that I could have got. You know, when people say it's like things that money can't buy a little bit, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like experience that like, that's what it kind of felt like just kind of learning on the job and just taking little things from here and there and just trying to put it into, into my own projects. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. And the, the best part about that is I do it in a similar way, but more of a, I always say hello to everybody. My oh, first so thing important. when I get there and go around to everybody, whether it's the tea person or mm. you know, the cleaner, like, who are you? What do you do? What's your name? Yeah. Cause you yeah. never know where that person's going to end up. hundred percent, man. It's, mm. it's so, it's so important, man. I always say like, uh, you know, sometimes people ask me, so oh, what advice could you give me? I'm just like, just be a nice person. It'll get you so far in life. <laughs> like it gets yeah. you so far, man. Just, I'm very aware of where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And it is talking to, to everyone. I'm not, I'm not there to, 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 to bread it with like the really mm. important person. <laughs> do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just try to just talk to everyone, talk to the runners and mm. like the, the, the people on set. Cause but more time, they're just like some of the most chilled out of people. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, cause I think sometimes when, when you are in certain spaces, it can often sometimes feel a, a little bit lonely and just having that small interaction with, mm -hmm. you know, someone who is, who is one of the runners. It, it it just makes it feel a little bit normal. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And you've just touched on it there, but we've been from Brixton, obviously. I'm mm. from Birmingham, but I always try to tell people that it doesn't matter what your area is. We all have the same kind of struggle, should we say? So yeah, that's for, it, for me, I'm I, I don't I don't like to call it like the hood or the ghetto. I call it just low like low income housing, and it like mm. my next door neighbor was white guy. We yeah. didn't look at white or black because we were both broke. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, but when, but I mean, when, you, when you say like ghetto or hood, everyone refers to it as a black thing. Mm. So I try and keep it as a social classes. But what was life like for you growing up in Brixton? Because I know Brixton to be notorious as most mm. people do. Brixton, yeah. Peckham, Hackney. Do you get what I mean? And and we have that in, in, in Birmingham as well. But what was that like for you? Yeah, so my, my dad's from Brixton. So I go mm. Brixton a lot on the weekends. We grew up just around the corner with Black Mox, my mum, my sisters. So we grew up in Camberwell. Um, which is like next door. So a lot of places within South London are all next door. So, you know, Camberwell mm. is kind of next to Peckham and mm. you've got parts of Camberwell next to Brixton, Brixton next to Stockwell, Clapham. So everywhere is quite, quite close. I've drove through so. it a few times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very so quickly, I, I might add. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, massively, man. Like South London, we are, we are one. We are, we are the Avengers. <laughs> when, when we link up at Carnival, we all get together. <laughs> Um, but like, I think for me, like growing up in, in South, like I, I was very fortunate to have a very good, like 
as I always say, like we didn't have a lot, but we kind of had each other a little mm-hmm. bit. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. no one was going on like flashy holidays and stuff. Like mm. not not a lot of people's parents really drove even stuff back then. Because in South, you don't really need to drive. You can kind of walk or get a bus or, yeah. you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I think I was very fortunate to have a very like, a very good childhood. Because I said, we didn't have a lot, but we had each other. But we just used to properly play out. We play football till like, nine until mm-hmm. like eight eight at night and stuff go to the adventure playground just on Duncan or hill so again like we just kind of had each other like most people you you would like live around that like, your estate with you kind of went to school with a little bit mm-hmm. or went to other surrounding schools so everyone was even people didn't go to my school lived in my area so i know mm-hmm. him from him and so mm-hmm. on and so forth um and yeah and i think i think i was very fortunate because Sometimes the misconception is like, oh, like your dad weren't around. And like, mm-hmm. oh, like dad was around, just didn't live in the house. That's just, yeah. that's just the difference. So I was very fortunate to kind of, you know, my dad's a Rastafarian as well. So, you know, go, going to Brixton High Street with my dad, you know what I mean? He's got the long dreads. People would just see my dad and greet him, be like, you're all right, I hear you. And, <laughs> and see, it's, it's weird mm. because I'm seeing my dad have this power. <laughs> like <laughs> like as, yeah. a, as a young boy, like I'm seeing my dad have this power where people would just want to speak to him or just like hate, hail him up in the street. Like, mm-hmm. yo, what's going on, Russ? You all right, yeah? And I'm seeing my dad, yeah, cool. Um, and I'm like, dad, is that your friend? And dad's like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that person. <laughs> but I think that that was the, the really cool thing about growing up in South London around that time within like, you know, like the, the mid nineties, like, you know, going to Brixton, but also like, you know, living in like this kind of Campbell, East Dulwich mm-hmm. area. Then we moved to Peckham when I was 15. And, you know, sometimes the, the misconceptions were, oh, you're from Peckham. Like, oh, you must be part of a gang. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. you, even some of my own friends would be like, oh, right, you're going Peckham, yeah? Oh, uh, them men are going to rob your trainers. You're like, oh, <laughs> like, we live round the corner. Like, <laughs> like, but again, like that would be the, the misconceptions. Mm-hmm. And I think once I got into a place of getting on TV and entertainment, you know, I weren't trying to use the narrative of like, ah, oh, Peckham, Peckham born mm-hmm. comedian makes it into the big time because sometimes they make it look like, is some like, like, oh, he's made it. Look at this mm-hmm. guy, He's what, yeah. this guy's made it. And you're mm-hmm. just like, like, no, nah, like that's that's not really, that's not a fair narrative to have. It, mm-hmm. it almost gives people the perception that like, I, I didn't make anything of myself, but I found comedy and I left the the, the, the mean streets of the gangs. I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, I weren't in no gangs. I weren't on, the, the, the streets weren't mean, bro. Mm-hmm. We just played football, man. But that's, that's the thing though, like, when you're from outside of the community and you'll understand this dealing with mm. a lot of people, especially yeah, in the yeah. wake of what's been going on in the past year, mm. like people don't understand like yeah. what it's like to come from there. So mm. I have a lot of discussions with people recently where it's, it's not so much about race. It's about understanding. Like you mm. don't understand what it's like to be racially abused. You know what it's like to be every time you walk in somewhere, someone thinks you're a certain way. So I totally oh, get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I remember when I kind of made, I made this, the, the kind of transition from doing a lot of the black comedy shows and mm-hmm. kind of transition to some of the mainstream. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, you, we can call it mainstream, but they were just, they're just more, if anything, there's white comedy shows. Mm-hmm. Like, like the, the, for me, I would always kind of class more the mainstream ones as, you know, like, you know, you're looking at that. I'm talking like the big comedy clubs that have been there for years like mm-hmm. places like, uh, you know, Up the Creek or Comedy Store. They're, they're the ones I'd kind of call mainstream. But mm-hmm. some of these shows, I'd call them a white comedy show predominantly because there's white, more white people there than there were black people. Just the same way mm-hmm. the, more, the black comedy shows, more yeah. black people than white people. <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of the time when I was occupying a lot of those shows, you know, I'd be just like this. I have a hoodie on, mm-hmm. a pair of jeans, 
and people wouldn't, I wouldn't, they would look at me as a comic because they'd like, mm-hmm. oh, who's, oh, you know, I'm like, oh, hi, you're out, I'm performing tonight. Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> that double take. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I always knew I had to, I think, you know, sometimes being on that lineup, it was, it was, it was quite weird because I felt like my audience like really understood my truths that like, I'll mm-hmm. get on stage, sound how I sound, look how I look. And sometimes I'd get a bigger laugh or shut it down because I weren't, you know, I weren't trying to be something I wasn't a lot of the time. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, ideally, like my, my material was just matching the other comics. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think really enough, that was a really cool learning curve. But also at the same time, you enter the building and the bouncer's like, oh, you're performing. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, like <laughs> I am performing. Like, <laughs> and then I leave and they're like, they're right, you were really good tonight. And I'm like, I know, like, I know, like, I've got, I, I do this thing. Like. <laughs> You've been doing it for 10 years, but thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, do you know what? You just said something then. Have you ever, you know, Dave Chappelle, obviously, when he talks about the reason he stepped away from um, his, the Chappelle show was because he felt like people were laughing at him more than with mm. him. Have you ever mm-hmm. had that uncomfortable laugh? No, not really, you know, because I, I think a lot of my comedy comes from my, myself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my comedy is one I'd say very warm, very observational, comes from my own, my, myself, my own truths as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I am talking about my dad being a Rastafarian, you know, there's, there's things I would say in the room that, like, for example, I used to have this joke when I'd say, oh, you know, my, my dad's Rastafarian. And I never forget this one kid came up to me once in school and he said, oh my God, Mo, your dad's a Rastafarian. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, oh my, can, can I ask? Can I ask? I'm like, what? What's up? What's up? Um, does your dad sell weed? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and, and, and the thing is with that joke here is that there'll be people laughing, but there'll be people in that room who's like, oh, I, I've, mm. I've kind of made that, made that kind of mi- misconception my, yeah, myself yeah, yeah. at times a little yeah. bit. So a lot of it would, would kind of come through education a bit at times as well. Like mm-hmm. I'm here to kind of educate you, but as well as that, I'm going to tell you like, this is my life growing up. And also say like, you know, when I, when I would be on stage and I said, you know, having a dad that's Rastafarian, he's a normal dad. Like, mm-hmm. but again, when, you know, when it's parents evening, your dad turns up and he was like, whoa, look at your dad. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what's the difference with my dad to yours, bruv? He's a normal dad, bruv. Like what? Cause he got dreadlocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but I, I have relax. this thing, I have this thing and I've used it before in the podcast where everyone's normal isn't normal, but we yeah, generalize the word normal so mad. Like mine mm-hmm. and your normals are just completely different. But yeah, so, within, it, so, so we, within that, how difficult is it now for you to write material because there's such a huge cancel culture? Like, yeah. you say something wrong, you're cancelled or like- 100% man. Does that kill your artistic view or how do you, no, how do you work I, around that? Yeah, not for me really, because I always write comedy that always feels like it comes from a truth. Mm. Again, a lot of my, my comedy comes from myself and my own surroundings and my observations. So, you know, it always comes from a warm place as opposed to a place where you know, I'm bringing any, anyone down as such. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If anything, I'll, I'll just, I prefer, I don't mind if people laugh at me at times. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think, yeah, I'm quite fortunate that, you know, a lot of the material at this stage in my, my life that I'm writing, I don't, I don't fear of writing anything. Oh, this might be, this might be edgy or this. Cause you know, mm-hmm. a lot of my stuff, I'm talking about girls going out raving. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how can you cancel that? That's just the truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so I, I think I'm, I'm very, I'm in a fortunate place of a lot of my material is just writing my observations really. And I guess for myself, when I am writing material, I'm kind of writing material now in a place of like, you know, I'm doing bigger rooms and I'm kind of writing my, my, my material for that. I remember like listening to um, 
I can't remember who it was. It could be like Kanye West or Jay-Z. And they said, you know, when it was creating the Watch the Throne album, they created it as like a, as like an album that they can play at concerts and stadiums mm-hmm. and stuff. And that kind of stuck with me. And that's what I'm trying to do now when I'm, you know, performing material. Yes, I'm doing it still in small rooms, but ideally I'm trying to create a, a, a joke or a piece of, you know, creativity that can be played in a big room that gives me enough time to just walk to the next part of the stage while everyone's laughing. Like mm-hmm. it's it's quite a, it sounds quite intricate and a bit like a bit mad, but it's that when we was doing the last tour, they had certain parts would be a big, big laugh just mm-hmm. to let me get to that side, have a breath and then get onto the next bit, mm-hmm. ideally. Um, as opposed to having gag, 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 because otherwise audience get tired, you know, and yeah. I understand the, the ethos of going out, you know, I've got babysitter, got my best yeah. clothes on, do you know what I mean? Got the car cleaned, all that stuff. I just paid mm-hmm. 20 pounds for parking. So I'm trying to write a lot of my material now for, for that. When I'm doing these big rooms and I'm, you know, doing touring, I'm trying to write my comedy material now for that experience a little bit. So, you know, a lot of it will come from myself and my observations, but that's why I would, I will try and use bits of music or bits of, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes improv. When we've done the, when done the last tour, you know, I, I would bring people on stage, you know, and mm-hmm. I used to come out as a roadman. And I'd be like, cool, like, we saying, bro, we're going to go back to back here. And you get people who's like, uh, what? What's going on? Like, Come on stage. <laughs> like, but I think I, I always try to put on a show for people. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of the, the material I'm writing at the moment, you know, the, the real night out kind of comedy mm-hmm. night material, you know? I can, I can honestly say we, I came to one of your shows, as you know, and it's yeah. the, the most I've laughed in a very, very long time. Oh, like, thanks, bro. Appreciate like, that, man. Even even the guys you've got coming under you as well, like it all flowed in a way that you kind of felt like we were building up to you and then you mm. never let us down. Does that make sense? Like yeah, a wave coming man. in. Like no one, mm. cause I've been to some comedy shows and even like Chris Rock, some of his early ones, you're like, oh, get off dude, man. Like, I don't really <laughs> want to listen to, do you know what I mean? Because you can't connect or relate, but I think you've yeah, done a very yeah. good job of bringing the, the comics through that are still relatable to you as well. So 100%. I, I think when, when it comes to, when I first got the, the go ahead to do my tour, I had to make sure it was, I really want to p- make a night out for people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want people to come. And that would start from as soon as the doors open where, you know, we're making sure the DJ is on playing bangers. As soon as you walk in the door and there's no one there, mm-hmm. it's seven o'clock, show starts at eight. We make sure it's on time. You know, all these things would be so crucial because the reason why even for having to start on time is that, you know, if you're sitting there being like, oh, okay, cool, it's 10 past eight and he's not on, do you know what? I'm gonna quickly go to the bar. And then you go to the bar and then I come on, you're you're missing mm-hmm. at least this 10 minutes of the show because you want to get your drink because you've left. So mm-hmm. I had to make sure all those parts were all intro that all made sense. So it would start eight. We would have another break at 20 minutes. So you've seen a, a nice little build mm-hmm. up that you know the support act has done his thing. And also with support acts, it's like I've I've done shows and I've been a support act where sometimes you feel like, well, I'm not really part of this show. I'm just here to kind mm. of make the next person look good. But for me, it's like, no, nah, like this is like, do your thing, man. Like this is, mm-hmm. this is your, this is your platform as well. So I'm not trying to get anyone who's like, who like, I, I want you to be as, as, as funny as I am. Ideally, mm-hmm. it's not for you to, to be like, I'm never going to be the, um, mm. He's too good, man. He's too mm-hmm. good to to go before me. It's like, bruv, you mm-hmm. go out there and smash it, bruv. Your job mm-hmm. isn't to make me look better. Your job is part of the show. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like if you go out for, for, for dinner, you know, you want the starter to, to, to lead up to, to the main course. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because otherwise, if the starter's bland, you're like, 
I don't know about the steak and chips I'm gonna get now, man. You know nah, I, mean? I know exactly what you're saying. But stop fronting like you're eating steak and chips. You're on the sushi vibe now. We know that. <laughs> it's it's I've been Nobu. You know them, 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 them four prawns. Yeah, yeah. I know the ones. <laughs> it hits differently as well, isn't it? When you're not used to having it, bro. You see, what's that? What are my favorite place? Hakkasan. Listen, yeah. egg fried rice from there. Woo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> My missus is there, she knows. <laughs> For people that won't see the visuals, Mo's pointing to his missus because she he's like, Yo. when this opens, we're back out. <laughs> oh, no, I booked it. I booked it already. I booked it. <laughs> I booked it already, man. So what what 100%. is what is for Mo the the pinnacle? So I see someone like, mm. you know, Daniel Kalua performing Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Does that give you inspiration to go, right, America, oh, yeah. I can now go and crack that? 100%, man. 100%. I think for me, I used to be quite reserved about my comedy, whether people across the pond would get it. Mm-hmm. I used to be very much like, I don't know if people are going to get this. And then I remember I went I went to New York and one guy, he was in a shop and the guy was like, oh, Mo Gilligan, a couple of cans, this American dude. And I was like, mm. yeah. And he's like, oh man, big fan, man. I watch your stuff. This is at a time, all I was doing was a couple of cans videos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, you know who I am. That is mm-hmm. so crazy. But it also let me know that the, the world is a lot smaller than what sometimes we think it is as well, mm-hmm. especially with like social media and stuff. Um, and then once the Netflix special went out and the reaction from that outside of the UK and a little bit outside of Europe was like, whoa, people from Brazil, Thailand, and these are people that are from Brazil. These are people that are from Thailand. These are not expats who yeah, just yeah, want to yeah. still keep in contact with what's going on back home. I was like, wow, I didn't know my stuff would transit. I didn't know if people would get it. Um, and yeah, I think that's given me like the, the, the boost that I need. It lets me know that it is possible, but it also lets me know that like we can do our brand of black British comedy elsewhere mm. in the, in, in the world. Because I think sometimes for me, like in a place of this, like place of TV and comedy, like, we, we export what we export to the world. Like America are great at exporting entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they've been doing it for, for decades, centuries, mm-hmm. you could say, you know, where people in the world know about places in America they've never even been to. Like they could say, yeah, you know, Harlem's in New York. And then mm-hmm. you got the Bronx and Brooklyn. They can just know that from TV, ideally. Um, but I, again, like we export like, you know, things like Downton Abbey and mm-hmm. you know Harry Potter and stuff yeah, like yeah. that, which is which yeah. is great entertainment. But I think sometimes that's why you know Americans will still banter us and be like, "Y'all, y'all drink tea over there?" <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> no, man, but like we don't. We actually we don't. It's so funny. Yeah. Like, but we we don't. And I think that's why, like, for me, it's trying to. It's not even trying to crack it. I'm not trying to mm. be like the guys. I've cracked America. Mm. It's just like, right, like, I just really want them to see our brand of comedy, but. I think what's quite nice is that we're kind of holding our own a little bit. Like mm-hmm. we don't need the 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 the, the co-sign from anyone. We mm-hmm. just do what we do. And you've got these great emerging, you know, comics like people like Munya, what he does with mm-hmm. satire and you know Michael Dapper and stuff like that. And you've got this this new generation now who like we've just got our own thing going on, which mm-hmm. is our, our own ecosystem with our own, you know, we've got our own music we listen to. You know, we've got our own bit of comedy, but it's our thing. And if you want to tap into it cool sure man you're welcome but mm. we're not gonna like feel like you have to like it you know we don't yeah, need, yeah. i don't feel like we need to do that anymore you know do you think it helps with the the music and the fashion now you see like spoke about most someone like drake who mm. is now aligned with skepta then he goes with gigs like he's always and mm. i think recently just uh central seas just done something yeah. with his, yeah, with his clothing yeah, I see that, so I see that. do you think that someone like drake who really is in 
understanding today's UK culture helps transcend that. Yeah, 100%, man. Like I know, like in terms of Canada and like Toronto, mm. they're very connected with what we mm. do, which sometimes I'm like, like even when I, when I had a, a tour show out there, um, unfortunately you couldn't do it because of COVID. That was one of the best places that sold tickets across the pond out of oh. everywhere, Toronto, um, Vancouver, like that's Canada. That done mm -hmm. better than New York and LA when we were selling tickets and stuff. Um, so it's really, it, it's, it's good to, to see that, that it, that's the impact of what music can do. But even for myself, like when, when gigs was sharing my stuff or mm. like D-Double, these are people I've grown up listening to ever since I was like a teenager. So mm. it's good because what it does is people that, cause sometimes people don't know what, what, what what, what, what's gigs find funny? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the fact they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. kids like Mo. Oh, wow, that's great. That's huge for me. That's a that's mm -hmm. a big deal for me. Or, oh man, I see D-Double likes his stuff because most times musicians, you don't know what 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 they like. And people yeah. want to know, they because we hear their music, we're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I wonder what he likes. What, what food does he eat? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 because, yeah. because sometimes they're, they're so elusive a little bit, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like they're not really always on social media and when they do it is kind of for music. So. You know, I think that's what kind of draws people to musicians just that in general. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I always yeah. say like, like people buy into to, to musicians. Like if if a musician is wearing, you know, a piece of clothing or has these trains or a tracksuit, people will follow and say, oh, I want, I want that. I want that jacket. Mm -hmm. I see Drake wearing that. I see he gave one to mm -hmm. Fredo. He was wearing one with all these man central seat. I need mm -hmm. that jacket. Big man, if I'm wearing that jacket, People are just like, Mo's wearing that jacket. Mo's <laughs> wearing that night jacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you know, but I think it's it's different, it's different things. You see what I'm saying? I yeah, think yeah, yeah. With, with comedy, people feel like, I, I meet a lot of people in the street who say, oh, I feel like I know you, brother. I've never met you before. I feel mm. like I know you. I feel like you're, you're my, one of my friends or one of my cousins and stuff. So I think there's a, a different connection that comedy has than that music mm -hmm. has. But I think it's so important, man, you know, that mu musicians can really kind of, yeah, because they are like, they are the culture a little bit mm -hmm. at times, do you know what I mean? So, you know, and, and I always say like, it's so weird because for me, I always say like the, the footballers chill with like the rappers sometimes. A lot mm -hmm. of the footballers chill with the rappers, but like the rappers want like the money and the gums that like the footballers have a little bit. Yeah. So like the footballers mm -hmm. set the president for the swag. Like I see you man wearing like the, the um, what's it called? Amiri. Don't put, and don't that. Put me in you, you got don't a Dior jumper on right now, bro. Bro, I swear to God. <laughs> And I'm going to do this for everybody. Do you know, I just got changed. I'm wearing a vest from Marks and Spencer's. Look, I had a Marks and Spencer's vest on. You can buy them from other stores, but Marks and Spencer's vest. And I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm going with Mo. Let me put something respectable up. And then you came on with a do-rag. Do you know what? The man is big yeah. Because I think I washed my hair earlier today, innit? Because I'm, I'm, we've got Mars Singer. We, we start, we're sorry, okay. Mars Dancer. Yeah. We are, we're doing records. So obviously I've got, this is Durag week. <laughs> Normally, so sure it's all right. brothers, the hair has to be pristine. Here's a question. Who would you say has got a better haircut? You or Michael Richards? Uh, do you know what? I've got to give it to, I've got to give, you know what? I've got to give it to, to, to Mika, yeah? Because he's, is like high, def, high definition on point <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Are you saying to use his spray though? That's all I want to know. Is he using a little oh, bit listen, of spray? Listen, listen, in TV, everyone's using the spray. If you are, if you, <laughs> if you are from the black community and you're not on TV using the spray, then hey, bruv, even, even people from back in the day, what's my man's name? Um, ah, uh, the Kings of Comedy. How, how can I forget his name? 
Steve um, Harvey. Steve Harvey, yeah. Harvey bro. He had one of the best dreams I've seen in my life. My, <laughs> my bar was telling me, yeah, man, him, him, him used the, um, the spirit back in this. I said, what? <laughs> him? <laughs> nah, man. <laughs> Listen, bro. Even for me, I remember once, yeah, I got my hair cut for, what was that? I don't know. I think it was the, the Rated Awards. Okay. And and uh, Big Up Trims, he done my hair, right? He does a lot of the football. He's like Lacazette's hair and stuff like that, yeah. So I said, whoa, man, treat myself. Let me get let me get a little trim. My, my friend was telling me, I know this guy trims. So he came down my head, bruv. The trim was so good, yeah. Even I was like, big man, this, this is too good for me. <laughs> like, my hair, my, my hairline isn't this good right now. <laughs> like, the trim you gave me is way too good right now for where I am in life. <laughs> also big up my other barber, A-class. So he's like my regular barber. But I remember at the time, I, this is at a time where I was so busy. I never mm -hmm. used to like, like, you know, even like getting a trim. I just used to be so much like, cool, we've got to do this. We're filming that. The next day we're doing this, then we're on tour. So things like getting a haircut would just come last. Like, mm -hmm. whereas opposed to now, I have a setup routine where I'm like, cool, like Bob cuts my hair on a Saturday just to give myself more time. Do you know what I mean? Like, every every just, Saturday, are you on a you week? Know what I mean? When I'm filming, normally yeah. close to one a week. Yeah, 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 one a week because Gotta look sharp, man. Listen, they will let you know on social media, you know, you're a big man. You're looking a bit tired on social media. Bro, I've had that my whole life. I don't care. You saw me, I don't care about yeah. like looks and stuff. Like, because but I that's think a it's... good thing though, because mm. when you do like, you know, you get a, a fresh cut, people are like, oh, raw, cool. But when you bro. start high, bruv, you, bruv, you have to keep at this level. It's very hard, do you know. Do you know how mad it is for me when people turn around and go, every time I get a trip, right, you lost weight. Nah, big man. <laughs> I weigh exactly the same, which means I just cleaned up. <laughs> They're like, oh, you, you've lost weight. You've been on a diet. <laughs> nah, the, the same. Still, I just shaved up the beard. But we got a little bit off to topic there. But and I can see Chris going, ah, I've got loads of editing to do. But you know, <laughs> you know, when you just spoke about like kings of comedy, right? Mm. Do you see a situation in the UK where we could have that? Because in America, I grew up mm. on like the Dr. Dre up in smoke tour. I always 100%. think, do you think we could do that in the UK? Kings yeah. of comedy, do you think we could do that in the UK? But then I always think, why has no one done it? Because I can't be the only one thinking about mm. it. 100%. I think, yeah, 100% we can do it because, look, I, I think when it comes to, you know, black comedy in the UK, mm. like we have our own community that will mm -hmm. definitely be out there and definitely be supporting it. But until it starts getting on mainstream TV that people even know that there are black comedians out there other than the ones you see on the panel shows, then then it can really, really happen. And it's starting to slowly happen where people are mm -hmm. like, oh, like, I, I know more than one person. Like, if you say to most people, who's your favorite black comedian? You know, they mostly say, oh, well, I don't know, mate, uh, Len Lenny Henry? I don't know. But <laughs> nah, it's either you okay or Big Shaq. That's all they'll say. And the thing <laughs> is, they have to is. say Big Shaq because they don't even know that Michael Duff is real but, name. But what it is, it's, it's not even when you, but that's that will be a younger generation. Like, mm -hmm. there'll be a younger generation who would identify me as their as their as their as their comedian as such? But there's an older generation, and these are the ones who are going to come out and buy the tickets. Who live mm -hmm. in places that you know they they live very far away from. Because sometimes what can happen is that it we I think sometimes within entertainment we can just be very London centric or Birmingham or Manchester, mm -hmm. and that's it for the mm -hmm. UK. Do you see what I'm saying? But there's places like Plymouth, you know, Norwich, mm -hmm. Ipswich, all these other places where it sometimes can get forgotten about as well. So I think, you know, we de I think TV plays a part in that, of getting more people that look like us on TV to get to a point where we do put in these shows and everyone's coming. Obviously our own community are gonna come and support. Mm -hmm. 
but everyone's coming and they, and they feel welcome and they're like, yeah, man, I know this person. I want to see that person. So yeah, man, hundred percent. I reckon it will happen within the next, I reckon it'll happen in the next 12 months, if I'm honest, or next that like, 24 months. Oh, okay. Like, because these shows have already been happening. Mm. Would that be more because of COVID now? You see how COVID's hit Mm. and I feel like it slowed everyone's, not only their money down, but their mindset down. Like, right, when we come out of this, how do I go from A, B and C? And Mm. I can do it collectively. I see a lot more people working together, whether that be musically or or artistically anyway. Yeah, yeah. So do you think, how does COVID hit you and affected you in that way? Because I know you've still got the shows going on, but... Yeah, I was very fortunate because when COVID happened and it struck, just weirdly enough, we were just about to get ready to do the, the to, we was going to start the US part of the new tour. Um, and we got, you know, we, the embassy had sorted out all of our visas. We was going to do uh, documentaries. So it was myself, my team, um, production company was going to go out there. And I would have been out there for about six weeks. So proper, really long mm-hmm. tour. And then COVID happened and there was other bits of work happened. Everything just got cancelled. So I was very fortunate that, you know, I ended up getting a lot of TV stuff. Started off doing a show in my house, you know, on lockdown mm. on Channel 4. Um, you know, Mars Singer. Um, I've done some like branded stuff with like Coca-Cola and Google. So I was very fortunate that I was in a place of, 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 of being able to work, essentially. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I was just about to do the tour. Normally, you know, anyone will tell you whenever you tour, you're just like, I'm just touring. Like, I can't mm. do this TV thing or that because I'm, I'm pretty much going to be be touring so I was quite fortunate but I've been saying this for a while I think with COVID what's going to be really cool is that people one are definitely going to want to go out again Mm -hmm. Uh, people I think will be maybe a bit more mindful where they are going to spend their money because you know if you've got half the country working at home you know you really do want to go out but you want to get something good ideally you know what I mean Mm -hmm. Um, and I think yeah I think we're, we're going to see some really cool creativity from people you know like comics um musicians I'm trying to make like the best show ever for people to really enjoy. But ideally, I want really people to really come out and say, hey, man, like, enjoy yourself, man. You've been indoors for a year. So, mm-hmm. you know, come come, come out, man. Do you know what I mean? Get get a babysitter because it is going to be a good night. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be good times, man. Fingers crossed it can all go ahead and everyone's all safe and stuff. So, yeah, man, you, fingers you, crossed. You man. do know that we're going to have uh, a bit of competition, me and you, right? Why? You know, we're both bringing a book out at the same time. When's your book out? Oh, don't worry. I'm not jumping the gun like you. Mine comes out in uh, <laughs> October, September, October. Oh, you're right, man. I'm September. I'm September the 2nd. Don't worry. I've, <laughs> I've got my pre-orders on, on the roll right now. <laughs> tell, tell us about that. What What was the, the thought behind actually doing a book at this point? Because I know yeah. you, you look 40, but you're a young man still. Mm. So Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 33. And that was also like a factor of the book because I was at a place where I was like, I don't think I'm old enough to do a biography, mm-hmm. but also I do feel like I'm old enough to do a book because I'm at an age where my audience are like, you know, they're like, right, I want to know a little bit more about you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I want to buy a book and see what it's about. So I, I found this really nice medium of what the book is going to be about of, you know, a collection of some of my, almost like my memoirs a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in a way that is a big biography of like, when I was one years old and I remember first going to nursery and I was very upset that my mum left. Like I want it to be a fun book. Um, and just also the way that I would read books. So a lot mm. of people's books I read, I would often like, you know, from holiday, I would kind of read half the book and maybe pause. And then mm. I can jump back into the book like a month later and not feel like I don't know where I am with the book. Yeah, so yeah. 
I really wanted to kind of take that inspiration for some of the books that I've read and have just have, you know, a collection of stories, but it's also just one, I guess, more about me, my, my upbringing, my grind. And I don't know, I think like the last, maybe say that like last four years of what I've been doing, my, my story can sometimes get like squashed in and packed in a mm-hmm. little bit. So it's like, oh, this guy was selling jeans in Levi's and then Drake gave him a shout out and he won a BAFTA and now he's on the Marseille. Oh, hey. And I'm like, nah, man, there was, there's a <laughs> whole nother a person. Mm. Yeah, but there's a whole nother person, a chapter. And, you know, we was looking at titles for the name and stuff. And that's why I was just like, yeah, that moment when, like before, mm. way back then. And it just felt quite nice to be doing a book. And, you know, a lot of the book we wrote last summer so we wrote a lot of it last year. Um, and also it was quite, it was quite like reflective. You, you know, you mostly mm. have the same where you start writing and you're like, whoa, man, I completely forgot that. Like I completely forgot I'd done that or, you know. Did you do it all or do you have a ghostwriter with you as well? Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've done a lot of it myself. Oh, um, but ideally like I'm dyslexic, so I'm writing a lot of stuff and someone else is correcting a lot of my words. <laughs> <laughs> Are you genuinely dyslexic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. man, 100%. I, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. so sick. Yeah, I think so, that's so sick because people, again, we touched on it earlier, but people always put that limitation on it. Oh, I'm dyslexic. Mm. Oh, I've got this illness. Oh, I've got that. Or, you know, I used to be a good footballer, but I had that one injury and it's so yeah. easy for people to give up. But So when you say stuff like that, that's so sick, man. Yeah, because I think for me, it's like, and I said it in, when we done the Netflix special, is like, just explaining what like dyslexia is and how it's different for mm. everyone else. Like for me, it was always my concentration when it came to you know, like things like when I am writing and writing scripts, sometimes I've, I've started about 10,000 scripts mm. and then I get to a point where I'm like, don't fucking do it. It's gonna watch TV, chill. Yeah. And sometimes of just like certain words of like how to explain like what I'm trying to talk about in a proper sentence, especially more so when I'm writing it out and typing it out and stuff. Mm-hmm. But ideally I think the ways that I've excelled is more creatively. So when we do like the tour shows and the TV shows, I envision how I know we want it to look. So I can say, mm. we want this to look like that and that there, and this can go there. And I can talk at a hundred miles an hour, but I envision it of how I want it to okay. be. Um, and yeah, I think that's most probably where my dyslexia might kind of excel at times. Cause especially with the tour, like mm. I could tell you every single part of that. Like, I could tell you that I always knew like when I'm performing the material, you know, I'm on stage for about an hour and I knew every kind of, it didn't matter what, sh- what stage I was on. I could do it silently because I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go over to this bit. Then I walk over to there. I, 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 I speak to them people over there. Then I come back in the middle, lights come down. Then I'm going to be, over. I could, cause Sick. that's just how I kind of would mm-hmm. plan it in, in my head a little bit. So I'm guessing that's just how my, my superpower is, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if I was an Avenger, I'll just be one of the organizers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm conscious at the time. I know we're going to keep you for That's an cool, hour, man. but like, That's cool. I can't let you go without talking Arsenal because yeah. Come on, man. I, I had, I had Wrighty on here <laughs> the, uh, two days ago yeah. and we had a good chat. We didn't actually speak any football. It was okay. all about Wrighty. So I need someone to give me some football chat. So yeah. You've got the most controversial football team in the country, I think. Controversial? You yeah, think? because your fans' expectation to you where you're at right now doesn't really that's true. add up. That's true, that's true, that's true. That's that's yeah, that, I think that's that's fair. Um so I became a season ticket holder in it two years ago. Money got up. And oh hundred percent, man. Bruv, just I'm sniff, in I'm just in sniff the it up. Listen, I'm in the deluxe bit, bruv, of of because <laughs> when I used to get tickets before, yeah. 
I used to go on them. They used to be like a thing, um, like a page on Twitter where people would sell their tickets and they retweet it. So if you're quick enough, you can get a ticket and you DM them, you meet them at the grounds, you know, give them some cash and they'll be yeah. like, yeah, go, I got a seat. You can have my, my thing in it. So that's how I used to watch games back in the day. Innit? And I'm sitting all parts of the stadium. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, big man. <laughs> Man's all at the top with some random guy like, yeah, man. Yeah, losing to Swansea in that. <laughs> and I'm like, rah, man. So the, the, the minute I was able to, actually, I got a bigger righty, actually, because he was someone I reached out on and I said, bro, like, I don't feel like, I know people must ask you all the time, but I really want to try and just see if I can get a former season ticket or a membership or something because mm. I didn't because you know with these things you got to start building it up and yep. yeah right he just said yeah cool man that like, I saw it out someone called me the next day they said yeah big man we <laughs> we got we, we got a ticket for you so yeah it kind of just yeah. happened I weirdly enough I'm not sure if right you really done that because I did kind of like you know you go online <laughs> and you can kind of like apply <laughs> I applied in it. We're and gonna let like, him have it, like he's done the pattern. Yeah, yeah. But you know when you say like what your name is, so like if anyone sees this email, I'm like my name is Mo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you catch capitals, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it's you know it's quite weird because I think definitely like with Arteta, I think mm. he's um he's brought. I feel like he's brought a, a sense of like man management and a style back mm-hmm. a little bit. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a sense of style that you can kind of see what he's getting at. He's he's getting at, and you know, in terms of what he's bringing out the players, very mm. very productive. Um, it's quite hard for him because he doesn't have his team, and we don't really have the budget that he can come in and do like a, a Guardiola and buy the, the people he really wants to buy. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, you know, even some shining lights for people like Smith Rowe, Saka, mm-hmm. some some of those younger guys. Um, but I think it's hard for him because this is his kind of first taste of big this management at a big club, very demanding mm-hmm. fans. And, you know, Arsenal fans are always going to be like that. Like, you can't have a team win the Invincibles, like, mm-hmm. like the Invincibles and have players like Henri, Vieira, like Tony Adams, Ian Wright, and not expect to, you know, to, to mm-hmm. have some kind of, you know, that's that's why I guess we are so demanding. Um, but I don't know, it's weird. And at the same time, we sometimes win things where, you know, us winning the FA Cup last year was like, I didn't expect that. I, mm-hmm. I, if I'm honest, I thought, oh, the final, man. I don't know. <laughs> Chelsea, mm, mm-hmm. it's nice to be there. Like, And then, yeah, like we won it. So there's always going to be that demand because we have glimpses of, of what we can do and the style of football we've played. But I think until we really get, uh, I said, Arteta gets his squad of the players he really wants, then I think we'll start seeing some mm-hmm. consistency because it's far too inconsistent in my opinion. Mm. But I think also with Arteta, I don't know if he's trying to be like, if he's trying to please everybody. And I think you can't do that in football. Um, and I feel like- you can't do that in Arsenal, business. Yeah, but I feel like in, in football, especially with Arsenal managers, they've kind of, ple- we've had managers that please their players. You know, mm-hmm. back in the day, people wanted to leave. Yeah, I want a new, a new experience. I want to leave. And Wenger would just let man go. I'm like, big man, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, just let man go to United, Van Persie, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at first year, I was like, nah, he's old now, innit? It'll be calm. <laughs> and then it dawned on me, and my friend was like, you know, he's going to do bits because mm-hmm. Van Persie creates a lot of his own goals. For when he said that, I said, nah, we, we, are, we are in danger. We are in, <laughs> in danger. <laughs> um, Sorry, I knocked my mic over there. Sorry. But, but, but you know what it is? I, I think it's. It's slowly, it's slowly getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, like if we if we can win Europa, that would be a, a huge plus. Um, 
you know, there's this whole thing of like, if you're in Europe, you can attract the players and all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like that is true a little bit, but I don't feel like, like we're, we're not there yet. Like mm. we just need to just get decent players before we start being like, yeah, we can attract this guy because we're in Champions League. Because like, what are we going to do in Champions League? Do you know what I mean? If we ain't got the squad, mm-hmm. I was watching um, um, PSG yesterday play Bayern and I'm looking at this team and I'm like, bruv, like, do you really mm-hmm. think we want to be in Champions League playing against these <laughs> men? But nope. I don't know if we're ready for that. So until mm-hmm. we start challenging for maybe the league and we have our, you know, a consistent run of, mm-hmm. of, of results um, with a consistent group of players with a start and 11 that you're like, okay, cool. That's our starting 11. Cool. I feel confident. Um, then I feel like we'll start getting some, some success in the league, ideally. Mm-hmm. But um, as an Arsenal fan, like I've, I've been through the worst. <laughs> like, I've seen worse than this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember going to a lot of them games where Emery was there. And that for me was the worst. When you got a season ticket and you're like, yeah, come. So I had two seats as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, come man, bring in my friends. And then the friends stopped coming. <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't even give it away. <laughs> I was like, hey, do you not want to come tonight? We're, we're playing. Nah, 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 nah. My brother playing Frankfurt, you know? I reckon we'll beat them still. Nah, nah, I'm busy that day. So yeah, that let me know that like, yeah, like, it's, this is hard times. <laughs> like uh, to the point where like, I remember going to them games, yeah? And we're losing. And it's not even like sometimes, look man, as, as a fan, you're like, cool, like stay to the end, to the very end. Mm-hmm. But them games, I said, you know what? It's going to get a bit busy on that Victoria line. So I think I'm going to make tracks now. You know, I see my regulars, Paul, take care. All right, Dan. Yeah, I know. It's the same thing every week, isn't it? Take care. Yeah. I just had to leave. But I think I think good times will come, man. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Three, three very quick questions. Yeah. One, what's your favourite Arsenal kit? Yeah, not one that you've owned, but one you kit. I've got all of them. Oh, I've got all okay. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the ones yeah, I like. I've got as a kid. No, no, like listen, it. once success happens, bruv, I'll buy them bare. I bought a, I bought a bruised banana top, the original one from the 80s. Um, all the old Nike ones. I've got mm-hmm. one with Righty, but there's one with like a kind of Thunderbolt, a navy blue one. Yes, so yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I remember That's that one. That's one of my definitely top favourites. Yeah, love mm-hmm. that kit, man. I, I wore it like like last summer and bare people was like, yo, big man, where'd you buy that top? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's vintage, man. Yeah, from, Wait, from the my, 90s. <laughs> my missus looks at me so strange when I'm like, the Inter Milan kit came out from this year. I was like, ah, oh, that's yeah. so sick. I got to get it. She's like, what do you want a football top for? Like, don't, <laughs> don't worry about it. Let me just do my thing. Football tops are so, so sick to wear in the summer. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 100%. 100%, man. And then the, this is more of a, what's your top five comedians of all time? Top five of all time. Okay, so Chris Rock. Hilarious. Like Chris Rock is, I remember seeing him at the O2 but I just love his material. Like it's political, but it's just mm. so funny. And I love everybody hates Chris. So Chris Rock, uh, Dave Chappelle, he's just the goat. He's just, just like, mm-hmm. he can put out. I've seen, and seen, I've seen him live as well in a small room in Greenwich. Six. Like he's, he's one line of jokes, just throw away. Mm-hmm. Could be some people's best joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is for me is like, yeah. So he's sick. Um, who else is there? Oh, three more, three more, three more. I've got to say Kevin Hart. Do you know why? Because as a businessman and a comic, no one's mm-hmm. that him as a businessman gone clear. But as mm-hmm. even as a comic, I really do like Kevin. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm not too sure, but nah, man. Like mm-hmm. to do what he's done, amount of time. So I'm saying definitely Kevin Hart. Um, oh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy is what kind of, I kind of made me want to do comedy, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Like just watching him in films and, 
like you know delirious raw yeah he's one of the people that would i'd say what i do i get to do what i do today because mm-hmm. eddie was one of the people i got to watch when i was younger and the last one this will be quite a lot of people won't expect this but eddie griffin i think eddie griffin okay. is hilarious like i remember watching one of his stand-ups once and i was just crying <laughs> like so yeah eddie griffin it's that eddie wow. griffin and martin lawrence but i'm gonna say eddie no I'm bernie mac say eddie griffin do you know what bernie mac is just like a comedian i, I can't he is one of my favorites mm-hmm. but i think i watched more of the others than mac yeah, yeah, yeah. If that makes yeah. sense but mac mm-hmm. is just he's a sick but mm-hmm. for my top five that i've really watched like yeah I, i'd have to say those those ones but mac is just like it's just like you know when people say is messi a good footballer it's like of course, he's one yeah. of the best yeah so yeah. that mac goes in that category for me mm-hmm. yeah 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 and finally, again, we're an hour in, so thank you very much for your time. But what we do... Nah, big ups, man. Is there a charity that you associate with? Because mm. we, and me and my family, we're going to donate to your charity, but it's a platform oh, for you to say, sick. for yeah. you to say like what the charity is, what they do. And then we're going to put a link to it at the end so that people can yeah. go and visit it. Do you know what? Weirdly enough, because we, as we were talking, I, I mentioned the, um, you know, the Dulwich Adventure Playground. Uh, Adventure mm-hmm. Playground. In, I and mean, as we were talking into like childhood and the book and stuff, um, yeah, I think that's like a charity that, you know, they, they do, they've done great work, but that's where a lot of my upbringing was. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, for myself and a lot of young people that would go there, that was our place to hang out, man. And it's still there today. And, you know, they're trying to like get money and try and help and rebuild and stuff. So yeah, man, big up Patrick and David and all the guys that are still there. So yeah, man, Dulwich Adventure Playground would be uh, a place to, one, people just go there with your kids, man. It's a nice mm. place. You know what I mean? Especially in London as well. It's like inner city London. You don't really get a lot of these adventure playgrounds that are still running today. And how it looks now is how it looked when I was a kid. So oh, everything is still there from the football pitch mm. to in, you know, you go inside, you got the tuck. Mm. It's still the exact same from when how I was a kid. So um, yeah, if there's uh, a place that people should uh, check out or donate, that's the spot. Okay, then we're going to do that and we're going to wrap this up. So thank you very much, bro. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, and thanks uh, for having me, man. And big up yourself, Troy, man. Like, I just like you as a footballer. I just like, I see one clip where someone threw the, uh, the, the, the ball at your guy and you barged I can't it. get away from it. I can't. <laughs> do you know the thing is? It's the music. Is it, I think it's Section Boys, right? And I don't like, know. The, the boy gets thrown and he's literally just like, I, ha- I didn't even do it that hard. But his yeah. reaction makes it look like <laughs> I give him whiplash. Do you know what I mean? No, but, you, but you know what I've always liked about you, Troy, yeah? And I think as I got older, uh, when I started to watch football, like there's certain players I just liked. I just liked, mm. I was just like, do you know what? I just like this guy, man. I like the way he plays football. I like the fact that when he plays against United, he'll play the same against Arsenal. He'll barge man off the ball, go up for the headers. And like, even that time we said about Arsenal, they got no cojones. I was mad. But at the same time, I was like, do you know what? Mm. Not a man getting barged off the ball, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you know what it is with me, Mo? Like, I don't, I don't take it anything other than football. Mm. So I'm pretty cool with that. So you know when someone like runs in your face and like they're head to head, I ain't got time for all of that. Like yeah. we're either gonna play football or we're gonna yeah. go the other way. Like mm. you, you choose. And yeah. but I, I, you know what? There's a part of me I like that as a footballer. 
And I feel like it reminds me of when I used to watch football like back in the day. You had mm. different types of, of strikers, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And you had a man that will kind of get in your face, but still banging some goals. And you had a man who was a bit, mm. a bit, you know, got, got the skills, got the, the green boots and that. But yeah, man, I, I, <laughs> I know, I know, yourself, I know what I am, man. I'm, I'm 15 stone. I can't move how these, these 12 stone <laughs> yeah. people are moving. So no, yeah. I appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for this. And yeah, say hello no to your problem, lovely man. partner, man. Yes, big up to yourself, man. Big up yourself, your kids and your, your missus. Thank you, brother. And look, get a bigger dog, bro. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and just to remind you that Mo's charity of choice was Dog Kennel Hill Adventure Playground. You can find them at dkhap.org.uk. Thanks to Mo and to you for listening. Please follow, rate and review and join us again soon. Produced by the podcast company, Fadini Media. Fadini Media.